Shortcast Club. Hi, we're back from a short hiatus and here today with volume 12 of our favorite shortcast from the week. I'm Avi Kaufman, your host. If you like variety, this is the podcast for you. Recently, I had a dream where I desperately needed some information on my phone but was unable to open it. Apparently, this is a common phenomenon. Dr. Ben Rain is a PhD neuroscientist who explains the brain in his shortcast, Make It Brain with Dr. Brain, and in this episode, he proposes a theory as to why phones don't appear in our dreams. How is it 2023 and nobody's come up with a satisfying explanation as to why cell phones never show up in our dreams if we're using them for 12 hours a day? I actually have a theory on this based on real neuroscience, so hear me out. Okay, so when we sleep, our brain stores memories. It's called memory consolidation. But of course our brain can't just store every single memory of everything we experience. It has to pick and choose. And it does so partially by looking at the emotional intensity of each memory. If you felt strong emotions during a certain experience, your brain is more likely to store that memory because it's probably important. So as we sleep, our brains are storing these emotional memories, and it's possible that dreaming is somehow related to that process. We still don't know what exactly dreaming is. It could be random activity, it could be your brain exploring ideas in new abstract ways. But whatever it is, it's happening directly adjacent to your brain processing emotional memories. So it would make sense that the content of our dreams is at least partially related to those memories. Now let me ask you, when you sit on your phone, is it an emotional experience? For most people, I think that time is just disconnecting and sort of turning off your mind. So if sitting on your phone is bland and emotionless, your brain has no reason to revisit that memory and consolidate it as you sleep. Which could be why we don't dream of phones. Of course, this is just a theory. Please feel free to share any other ideas you have, and if you like neuroscience, please follow. Have you noticed how at every Q&A session, when someone asks a question, the speaker inevitably says, great question, even when it's not actually a great question? Well, if you're the speaker, stop doing that. Dr. Ben Crosby, in this episode from his shortcast, Trivium U, Timeless Training for Professional Communicators, explains why not to do that and offers some more authentic alternatives. In this series of videos, we're talking about how to own any Q&A. Tip number four, appreciate the question. What this means is stop evaluating the question. Don't say good question or great question or excellent question. Stop evaluating questions because then when the next question happens and it sucks, they're going to feel insecure when you don't say it was good. Instead, appreciate the question. Do this by saying, I appreciate that question because... Thank you for that question because it gives me the opportunity to. Ah, yeah, I'm glad you asked this question because I wanted to talk more about X. When you appreciate the question rather than evaluate the question, it shows that you're more connected and engaged with the content of the question and you're not evaluating it or judging it. Sometimes just knowing the right phrase makes all the difference. Next up, Tammy Amet in her shortcast, Therapy Beyond the Couch, shares another powerful phrase you should internalize, for now. There are two words you need to add every time you go through a struggle, a big emotion, or a difficult experience. Just these two words are going to have a tremendous impact on how well you get through that struggle and get on the other side of it. So I don't know about you, but when I go through a difficult experience, one of the things that my mind tricks me into thinking is that this experience is going to last forever. Even if intellectually I know that it won't, it feels like it's going to. It's hard for me to imagine ever feeling different. It's hard for me to imagine ever being on the other side of it. 
So the two words I want you to add to every difficult experience are for now. I'm having this big feeling for now. I'm feeling challenged for now. I'm having crappiest time for now. Next, an episode of Don't Just Win, Dominate with Bill Harper, a marketing and branding leader with the one thing you can do to establish yourself as a thought leader and grow your online presence. It's something that all the top creators here on Shortcast Club do. What's the one thing you can do that will establish yourself as a thought leader and help you to grow your online presence? Teach. That's it. Teach. Give every piece of information that you know away. Try your hardest to put yourself in the position of somebody who doesn't understand anything. Make it as simple as possible. If you can, make it as entertaining as possible. But teach. Give away the knowledge that you have to the betterment of others. That familiarity breeds trust. That ability to share something that other people can take as a tool and begin to build their own capability breeds trust. Everything that you can do to help another person see how to do something that they didn't understand how to do that helps them put one more piece in the puzzle, all of that is beneficial. So if you want to grow your social media, it isn't about hooks and it's not about keeping them on for five minutes. It's about teaching and giving them something interesting they can use. We hear from Samantha Chung next in her shortcast, Simplifying Sam, the shortcast, with some advice. Fall in love with the creative process. Not the results, but the process. Good advice. If I could give the entire world just one tip that would change their entire life, it would be to fall in love with the creative process. Whatever it is you're doing, you're writing a book, you're creating a website, you're creating a program, whatever it is you're doing, Fall in love with that process. Do not become obsessed and find yourself in the results. Fall in love with the process itself. Being in love with the process is what is going to allow you to continue creating when the results of your creation don't really go anywhere. And you're going to need to become comfortable with that because as a creative, not everything you create is going to be amazing. In fact, I would say 80% of it's going to suck, subjectively speaking. Objectively speaking, every creation is good because it didn't exist before you created it. And that is what I want you to fall in love with. The fact that as a creator, a human being, you can make things that you see in your mind that were never here before. Fall in love with that. Stop obsessing over whether the creation is good or whether you look good in it or whether people are going to be impacted by it. Like we don't actually know what those results are going to be. Only time will tell. Only the algorithm will tell. Nobody effing knows. But if you can fall in love with the creative process, getting the idea, bringing it to life, infusing yourself with it, you'll never stop that. And if you never stop that, then eventually something you create is going to blow up. It's just math. The people who don't stop and keep going eventually see some form of success, some form of recognition for their long-standing efforts. And those long-standing efforts are a result of falling in love with the creative process, just getting jazzed about getting to create something in the first place. The failure of most people is that they create like two things and like wait in the comments and the like section to see like if everyone liked it. Like... That is not the point of creation. The point of creation is to fall in love with that process so that no matter what the results of that creation were, you want to go back to the drawing board. You want to go again, right? And so when I think about my videos, 
I don't really care how well they do. I just like to talk about these things. It literally jazzes me up to come here with an idea, express myself, and know that some person, maybe it's just one person, is gonna maybe receive that. That is what brings me back to the drawing board time and time again, viral video or not. So if you did anything with the remainder of 2023, I hope it would be to fall in love with creation itself. Next, we hear from Oliver James. Oliver often introduces himself by saying, I'm a 34-year-old man who struggles with reading. However, it wasn't long ago that he couldn't read at all. He's also a new parent. In this episode, he asks educators about learning to read. As a parent and someone who's teaching himself to read, what are ways that parents can approach when it comes to reading? Parents that I've encountered over the years and just being a parent myself, it really comes down to folks understand that reading is accessible. It is a complex task. There's no two ways about that. Access to learning how to read, it's there. There is some young teacher somewhere up at night going over her lesson plans, trying to figure it out. There's a district leader somewhere pouring over data. There's a superintendent that is getting every resource that they can get their hands on for your student. What we don't know is where the gaps are for parents what do you need? What do you need to know to be able to support your student? There is someone in your school district, in your child's school, and in your child's classroom that can do those things. Access is there. Don't be afraid to ask is what I would say to parents. Mm, like that. I like that. Don't be afraid to ask. So I was giving my speech. You came up now and said, your speech made me connect to my why. What about that made you connect to your why? What does that mean? Well, Oliver, your story just really touched me, but it also was so disheartening to hear your journey of how now you're at 35. Our system, our school system failed you. What I connected with, first of all, is just the passion and perseverance that you had to overcome this and to learn how to read. We have a new initiative called On 3 by 3 and this is kids reading on grade level by third grade. You reminded me of my why, and why I got into education is to help remove barriers for kids, figure out what is the most important thing that we can do to change the trajectory of kids' lives. Today, hearing your story, it is our moral imperative that we do not let any more students go through our system and fail them because they can't read. You just kind of reignited the spark um, and reminded me of that today. And so just thank you. I consider it a blessing that I was able to hear your story and to get reconnected to my why. I hope you enjoyed this taste of some of our favorite recent shortcasts. If you did, please subscribe and consider writing a review on your podcast app. It helps surface our show to other potential listeners. We really appreciate your support as we grow our show. There are links for each of the creators you heard today in the show notes. We encourage you to find and follow them on Shortcast Club. They are all very binge-worthy. Check out more great shows available on Shortcast Club. Download the app from the iOS or Android app store. Search for Shortcast Club. Thanks and happy listening.